chapter six of rousseau and education according to nature by thomas davidson this librivox recording is in the public domain rousseau's educational theories childhood emile book two despise but reason and science man's supreme power allow thyself but to be confirmed by the spirit of lies in works of glamour and enchantment then i have thee already without condition mephistopheles in faust part one with the advent of language infancy closes and childhood in the narrower sense begins tears and cries having now found a substitute should be discouraged and every effort made to free the child from timidity and querulousness dangerous weapons and fire should be kept out of his way but otherwise he should be allowed the utmost freedom and as little notice as possible taken of his occasional bumps and bruises which are valuable experiences he should not be taught anything that he can naturally find out for himself not even to walk or climb having complete freedom he will get a few contusions but therewith a great deal of invaluable training it is at this second stage says rousseau that the life of the individual properly begins it is now that he attains self-consciousness memory extends the feeling of identity to all the moments of his existence he becomes truly one and the same and consequently already capable of happiness or misery he must henceforth be considered as a moral being this is indeed a new stage to rousseau moral existence obviously means capability of happiness or misery to be moral is to be happy to be immoral is to be miserable and given his point of view no other conclusion could well have been reached it follows that every effort ought to be made to ensure the happiness of the child of children that are born he says half at most reach adolescence and your pupil will probably never reach manhood what then are we to think of that barbarous education which sacrifices the present to an uncertain future which loads a child with all sorts of chains and begins by rendering it miserable in order to prepare for it some distant pretended happiness which it will probably never enjoy who knows how many children perish victims of the extravagant wisdom of a father or a teacher happy to escape from his cruelty they derive no other advantage from the woes he has made them suffer than this that they die without regretting a life of which they have known only the torments fathers do you know the moment when death awaits your children do not prepare regret for yourselves by depriving them of the few moments which nature lends them as soon as they are able to feel the pleasure of being see that they enjoy it take care that whenever it may please god to call them they do not die without having tasted life you will tell me that this is the time for correcting man's evil inclinations that it is in childhood when pains are least felt that we should multiply them in order to forestall them for the age of reason but who has told you that this arrangement is within your power 
or that all these fine instructions with which you load the weak mind of a child will not one day be more pernicious than useful to him why do you impose on him more evils than his condition can bear without being sure that these present evils will be made up for in the future and how will you prove to me that those evil inclinations which you pretend to cure do not come from your ill-advised care far more than from nature miserable foresight which renders a being unhappy in the present in the ill-founded hope of making him happy in the future we do not know what absolute happiness or unhappiness is everything is mixed in this life we never taste a pure feeling we are never two minutes in the same state good and evil are common to us all but in different degrees the happiest is he who suffers fewest pains the unhappiest he who feels fewest pleasures always there are more sufferings than enjoyments that is the difference common to all the felicity of man here below is therefore only a negative state it must be estimated by the smallness of the number of evils which he suffers every feeling of pain is inseparable from the desire to be delivered from it every idea of pleasure is inseparable from the desire to enjoy it every desire supposes privation hence it is in the disproportion between our desires and our faculties that our misery lies where then lies human wisdom or the way to true happiness it lies in diminishing the excess of our desires over our faculties and establishing a perfect equality between power and will it is only when this is done that though all the powers are in action the soul will nevertheless remain peaceful and man be well ordered it is thus that nature which does everything for the best arranged matters at the beginning it is only in this primitive state that equilibrium between power and desire is found and that man is not unhappy it is the imagination that extends for us the measure of things possible whether in good or evil and which consequently excites and nourishes the desires with the hope of satisfaction but the object which at first seemed close at hand flees quicker than we can pursue it when we think we are reaching it it transforms itself and appears afar off thus we exhaust ourselves without reaching our goal and the more we gain on enjoyment the further happiness withdraws from us on the other hand the nearer man remains to his natural condition the smaller is the difference between his faculties and his desires and therefore the less distance is he removed from happiness he is never less miserable than when he seems deprived of all footnote it is rousseau the vagabond that speaks here End of footnote for misery does not consist in being deprived of things but in the need which is felt for them the real world has its limits the world of the imagination is infinite being unable to enlarge the one let us contract the other when we say that man is weak what do we mean the word weakness signifies a relation he whose power is greater than his needs were he an insect or a worm is a strong being he whose needs are greater than his power were he a conqueror a hero or a god is a weak being man is very strong when he is content to be what he is he is very weak when he tries to rise 
above humanity footnote goethe faust prologue in heaven puts this sentiment in the mouth of mephistopheles End of footnote. do not therefore imagine that in enlarging your faculties you are enlarging your powers on the contrary you are diminishing them if your pride enlarges more yet it is by laboring to increase our happiness that we turn it into misery any man who should be contented to live merely would live happy and therefore would live good for what advantage would he have in being bad everything is folly and contradiction in human institutions foresight foresight which continually carries us beyond ourselves and often places us where we shall never really arrive is the true source of all our miseries what folly for an ephemeral being like man to be looking forever into a distant future which rarely comes and to neglect the present of which he is sure is it nature that thus carries men so far from themselves o man concentrate thine existence within thyself and thou wilt no longer be miserable remain in the place where nature has assigned thee in the scale of beings nothing can make thee leave it do not recalcitrate against the hard law of necessity and do not by trying to resist it exhaust the powers which heaven has lent thee not to extend or prolong thine existence but merely to preserve it as and as long as it pleases the same thy liberty thy power extend only as far as thy natural forces and no further all the rest is but slavery illusion prestige even dominion is servile when it rests on opinion for thou dependest on the prejudices of those thou governest through prejudice the only man who does his will is he who in order to do so has no need to eke out his own arms with those of another whence it follows that the first of all blessings is not authority but liberty this is my fundamental maxim we have but to apply it to childhood and all the rules of education will flow from it it has seemed well to make this long quotation because it contains rousseau's fundamental view of life and the kernel of his educational theory the end of life is happiness and happiness is the sensuous enjoyment of each moment as it passes without thought plan or aspiration for higher things nay without regard to others all efforts after a divine life of deep insight strong just affection and far-reaching beneficent will all unions among men for the realization of this life in and through society are folly and contradiction to live as the beast lives in his appointed place is the chief end of man because some children die before they reach youth or manhood it is cruel to deprive any through discipline self-denying continuous tasks or thought of the future of the manifold thoughtless delights of the present discipline and self-control have no value in themselves at best they are but means for future pleasure the child that dies without having enjoyed pleasure has not tasted of life no matter what his spiritual attainments or the beauty and nobility of his character his existence has been a failure whatever interferes with present pleasure is evil it would hardly be possible to form a more pitiful conception of human life and education than this there is not a moral or noble trait in it the truth is rousseau was so purely a creature of sense and undisciplined impulse that he never for one moment 
rose to a consciousness of any moral life at all he could not therefore take delight in it noblesse oblige the ruling maxim of the unselfish moral and social man was in him replaced by the maxim of the selfish undutiful churl and reprobate bonheur invite but in spite of all this nay by reason of it rousseau and his theories are most interesting and fruitful objects of study in days when uncontrolled individualism still has its advocates it is well fully to realize what it means and this is what rousseau has told us in a siren song of mock prophetic unction which readily captivates and lures to destruction vast crowds of thoughtless sentimentalists he has told us further in the same tone how children may be prepared for a life of individualism and his sense drunk ravings in denunciation of all moral discipline have been and still are received as divine oracles by millions of parents and teachers who have the training of children in their hands and hence it has come to pass that the old maxim train up a child in the way that he should go has been replaced by this other see that the child have a good time no wonder that good time has become the chief american god rousseau's education according to nature starting from an utterly calumnious notion of child nature and of human nature in general and ignoring all that is characteristic and noble in both proves to be an education for pure reckless individualism destructive of all social institutions and all true civilization its aim is the undisputed rule of caprice but to proceed true to his principles rousseau maintains that children should not be taught obedience footnote no one he says not even the father has a right to command a child to do what is of no good to him were he commanded to do what is good for others he might in time become generous and degenerate into civilization compare carpenter's civilization its cause and cure into footnote their relations to persons should be exactly the same as their relations to things which resist but do not command human relations should be replaced by mechanical relations if the precious individuality of the child is to be safeguarded when a child tries to go beyond his natural limitations he is not to be forbidden but prevented he is to meet the iron law of nature everywhere the love of humanity nowhere nature is to be all in all if children are not to obey neither are they to command not even when they accompany their commands with pleas or if you please they are to be listened to only when they ask for things good for them the surest way to render your child miserable is to accustom him to obtain everything he wants his needs are really few and the fewer the better by humouring him you make him a despot at once the vilest of slaves and the wretchedest of creatures weakness united with despotism begets but folly and misery the rule is give to children as far as possible everything that can afford them a real pleasure refuse them whatever they ask from a mere whim or to perform an act of authority of course children as natural creatures are never to be reasoned with nature never reasons i see nothing more stupid says rousseau than children that have been reasoned with use force with children and reason with men such is the natural order moreover 
such things as loyalty to parents and affectionate respect for their wishes as such must never be appealed to the result might be deference something altogether unknown to nature and hostile to liberty the child must be guided solely by the hard yoke of natural necessity thus you will render him patient equable resigned and peaceful even when he does not get what he wishes for it is in the nature of man to endure patiently the necessity of things but not the ill will of others no one ought to undertake to rear a child unless he knows how to guide him where he wishes by the sole laws of the possible and the impossible the sphere of both being equally unknown to him may be widened or narrowed about him as one pleases he may be bound pushed or held back with merely the chain of necessity without his murmuring he may be rendered supple and docile by the mere force of things and vice have no occasion to spring up in him for the passions are never roused so long as they are without effect in this way he will never learn what kindness is and so acquire the unnatural sentiment of gratitude or indeed any sentiment of a human sort he will be as natural as a kitten it follows from such principles that the child must neither be chidden punished nor called upon to beg pardon devoid of all morality in his actions he can do nothing that is morally evil or that deserves chastisement or reprimand and yet the child was declared a little before to be a moral being returning once more to his favourite incontestable maxim that the first movements of nature are always right that there is no original perversity in the human heart rousseau insists that the greatest most important and most useful rule of all education is not to gain time but to lose it early education must therefore be purely negative it consists not in teaching virtue or truth but in guarding the heart from vice and the mind from error if you could do nothing and allow nothing to be done if you could guide your pupil healthy and robust to the age of twelve years without his being able to distinguish his right hand from his left the eyes of his understanding would open to reason at your first lessons without prejudices without habits he would have nothing to counteract the effect of your solicitude he would soon become in your hands the wisest of men and by beginning with doing nothing you would have made a prodigy of education do the opposite of what is usually done and you will always do well exercise the child's body his organs his senses his strength but keep his mind indolent as long as possible look upon all delays as advantages let childhood ripen in children if a lesson has to be given do not give it to-day if it can be put off till to-morrow this is what rousseau calls natural education but it is in fact almost the most artificial education conceivable it is cloistral and worse nature is made to exclude its highest manifestations and then the child instead of being allowed to come freely in contact with the brute remainder is watched dogged guided and forcibly controlled at every step and all for the sake of keeping him in a condition of submoral subhuman innocence rousseau forgot that a child's capacity for enjoyment even is proportioned to his intelligence and so while he maintained that a child should not be deprived of present 
for the sake of future pleasure for fear that the letter might never come he insisted that he should be deprived of present for the sake of future instruction though the latter is subject to the same risks but rousseau thought of his own early corruption and despised logic we have only to compare the twelve-year-old american boy who mixing freely with nature in its broadest sense contrives by pluck intelligence and hoisterless self-control to earn his own and perhaps others livelihood with rousseau's helpless artificial product to realize the value of his educational system but where says rousseau shall we place this child in order to rear him thus like an insensible being an automaton shall we keep him in the moon or in a desert island shall we remove him from humankind will he not have continually before him in the world the spectacle and example of others passions will he never see other children of his own age will he not see his relations nurse governess footman and even his tutor who after all will not be an angel rousseau feels the difficulty of these questions and answers that the tutor must do his best to be an angel and then retire with his pupil to a remote country village whereby inspiring the villagers with respect and affection he can practically control everybody and everything and be beyond reach of the evil influence of cities in this retreat the child entirely in the hands of his unpaid tutor and dependent on his resources for everything will vegetate and learn what he cannot help by examples when he sees a peasant angry he will be told that he is ill and thus learn to avoid anger when he plants beans in a peasant's melon patch and after he has spent much care on them the peasant comes and pulls them up the heart-broken child will fill the air with sobs and screams footnote is this one of the results of peaceful nature education End of footnote. and have his first feeling of injustice footnote this is incorrect he would feel merely disappointment not even resentment the catastrophe might be due to nature for aught he knew there are no feelings of justice and injustice End of footnote. on learning however that the peasant has only done to him what he has first done to the peasant and that besides the land belongs to the peasant he will come to have a feeling of justice one of the tutor's chief duties will be to arrange for practical lessons of this sort if the pupil breaks a pane of glass in his room the tutor will say nothing but leave it unrepaired until the pupil catches a violent cold footnote this result is purely arbitrary depending not only on the season but upon the position of the child's bed End of footnote. and then have it replaced if he breaks it a second time the tutor will remove him to a dark room and shut him up there until he voluntarily agrees to break no more panes how this differs from punishment it is not easy to see footnote in any case he is not being educated by nature End of footnote rousseau evidently thinks that moral feelings can be roused in a child by bringing home to him the consequences of his deeds there is no greater mistake in the world footnote herbert spencer's work on education is vitiated throughout by this error End of footnote. a child may learn selfish prudence in this way but the morality of acts has nothing to do with their actual consequences but only with their motives or intended consequences an immoral act does not become moral because it brings desirable consequences even brute beasts learn prudence by rousseau's moral method but they never rise to morality all the morality there is connected with an act is realized as a personal quality before the performance of the act with the rise of the moral consciousness comes the 
possibility of evil and among other things of lying with a view to escape consequences rousseau justly distinguishes two kinds of lies one intentional misstatement of facts two promises not intended to be kept and he has some sensible remarks about what lying means to young children but when he tells us that trying to teach them to tell the truth is simply teaching them to lie those who have had experience with children can only express utter disagreement with him again when he tells us that the true way to cure a child of lying is to make him see that it is not his interest to lie we can only say that he is propounding a most immoral and pernicious doctrine albeit it is of a piece with his whole ethical teaching a child that tells the truth only when he thinks it profitable so to do will tell lies under the same circumstances lying is simply one manifestation of cowardice or feebleness of will as against undifferentiated instinct and can be cured only by a process which strengthens the will by the development of intelligence and the subjection of instinct but rousseau's whole system is intended to enable men to dispense with the need of willing by arranging things so that they shall always be able to follow their instincts as he did generosity meaning almsgiving is to be taught in this way instead of being in haste to exact acts of charity from my pupil i prefer to perform them in his presence and to deprive him of the means of imitating me in that as an honour that does not belong to his age if seeing me assist the poor he questions me about it and it is the proper time to reply i shall say to him my friend when the poor agreed that there should be rich people the rich promised to maintain all those who should not have the means of living either from their property or their labour footnote this is of course a pious lie End of footnote. and you also have promised that he will ask of course i will say i am master of the wealth that passes through my hands only on the condition attached to owning it after hearing these words another than emile would be tempted to imitate me and play the rich man in such case i should at least prevent him from doing so with ostentation i should prefer to have him usurp my right and give surreptitiously this is a fraud natural to his age and the only one i should forgive in him in other words emile would not give it all or give through vanity as a rich man rousseau admits that all virtues acquired in this way are merely monkey virtues unreflective imitations and therefore not moral and though fully conscious of the possible evils springing from imitation he yet insists that no other virtues are possible for the child in this he modestly makes his own nature the measure of possibility for the race the only moral lesson that he would teach children is to do harm to nobody the injunction to do good unless subordinate to this is dangerous false and contradictory who is there that does no good the wicked man does good like other people he makes one happy by making a hundred unhappy and hence come all our calamities the loftiest virtues are negative they are also the most difficult because they are without show and above the pleasures so dear to the heart of man of knowing that some one else is pleased with us this is of course the purest sophistry as if doing good to one at the expense of a hundred were doing good at all the precept do good includes the precept do no evil but rousseau always wanted a plea for doing nothing and he was not above resorting to the most pitiful sophistry in order to obtain one as for instance in his attempt to justify himself for turning his children over to the foundling hospital the fact here referred to must be allowed to have its full weight in our estimate of rousseau's educational theories it shows one that he had no natural love for children and no interest in them except of course a picturesque one 
they were touching features in the landscape two that while devoted to sensuality he had no sense of even the most sacred of duties hence his attempt to show that the most sublime virtues are negative a most comfortable doctrine amounting to this do nothing and you will do sublimely well from this maxim rousseau drew the following conclusion whose bearing is but too obvious the injunction never to injure others involves the injunction to have as little to do with society as possible for in the social state the good of one is necessarily the evil of another this relation as being in the essence of the thing nothing can alter it footnote then follows the second quotation at the head of chapter five it is needless to say that the assertion itself is the exact opposite of the truth and subversive of all civilization compare lowell's fine line in the present crisis in the gain or loss of one race all the rest have equal claim and creon's first speech in sophocles antigone in the footnote it is impossible here to enumerate all the educational precepts that rousseau from this point of view lays down but they may be summed up under three general heads one do everything to place children in easy fearless contact with subhuman nature and its necessary laws that is make them as far as possible atamata footnote two do everything to prevent their having any relations to human nature as such by withdrawing them as far as possible from society and turning those persons with whom they must come in contact into automata three hoodwink them into thinking that everything which you as the representative of nature desire them to do is imposed by natural necessity footnote are not all his surroundings as far as they relate to him under your control of course he must do only what he wishes but he must wish only what you wish him to do he must take no step that you have not foreseen nor open his mouth without your knowing beforehand what he is going to say emile book two such is education according to nature rousseau's long intimacy with the jesuits had not been for nothing their cadaver is rousseau's automaton and his methods match theirs grimm said of him i know but one man who might have written an apology for the jesuits in fine style and that man is m rousseau after all a god-animated corpse is better than an automaton but neither has any moral freedom End of footnote. in accordance with the first of these children are to have their muscles nerves and senses carefully trained in savage fashion they are to be encouraged or bribed to run leap climb balance themselves and to move heavy masses footnote chiefly with cakes and candy of which rousseau himself is very fond the proper way to govern children he says is to guide them by the mouth gluttony as a motive is of all things preferable to vanity because the former is a natural appetite directly connected with the senses whereas the latter is the product of opinion subject to human caprice and all sorts of abuses this is of course untrue darwin has shown that vanity is a common passion even among the lower animals while rousseau himself maintains that the animals are never gluttonous which again is untrue End of footnote. they are to swim footnote. amy will be as much at home in the water as on land why cannot he live in all the elements if he could be taught to fly in the air i should make him an eagle i should make him a salamander if he could be inured to fire End of footnote. to go about bareheaded and barefooted in light loose gay clothing to sleep on a hard bed to be waked up any hour to be inured to heat cold knocks and bruises to eat when they are hungry and drink when they are thirsty cold water even when they are in a flood of perspiration they are to play 
nightly games involving lonely visits to forests churches and graveyards they are to walk and to find things in the dark without fear or hesitation footnote they are to be tempted to this as usual with candy in this way their natural dread of the dark is to be overcome and yet we are told that the caprice of children is never the work of nature but of bad discipline they have either obeyed or commanded End of footnote. they are not to be vaccinated because vaccination though bringing certain advantages requires the services of a physician which must be avoided like poison footnote if we give a child smallpox we shall have the advantage of foreseeing and foreknowing his disease but if he takes it naturally we shall have saved him from the doctor which is a still greater advantage End of footnote. riding is not favoured because it is an exercise not within the reach of everybody besides rousseau himself disliked it the different senses are to be carefully cultivated to exercise the senses is not merely to make use of them but to learn to judge by means of them to learn so to speak to feel for we can neither touch see nor hear except as we have learnt in exercising the sense of touch the nocturnal games above referred to are especially valuable they may even enable us to dispense with the senses of sight and hearing apparently a great advantage footnote we are blind half of our lives with this difference that those who are really blind can always guide themselves while we do not venture to take a step into the heart of the night there are lanterns i shall be told yes yes always machines who can assure you that they will follow you everywhere when you want them i prefer that emile should have eyes in the ends of his fingers rather than in the chandler's shop by putting one hand upon the body of a violoncello one may without the help of eyes or ears distinguish by the mere vibration or quivering of the wood whether the sound produced is high or low if we should exercise our senses on these differences i have no doubt that in time one might feel a whole tune with his fingers if this be admitted it follows that we might speak to the deaf in music but alas the violoncello is a machine monsieur rousseau in the footnote the use of keyless stringed instruments dulls the sense of touch the ideal instrument is the piano which rousseau himself played numerous instructions are given as to how the eye is to be trained to estimate weights distances etc some of the exercises are delightfully complicated involving the inevitable candy which though rather a civilized product seems to be nature's bribe this is the place for drawing and painting but the objects selected must always be in nature never copies or casts footnote emile's room is to be adorned with his own drawings and paintings placed in more and more elaborate frames in proportion to their badness thus the expression fit for a gilt frame is to suggest a moral lesson valuable later on End of footnote. in connection with all this rousseau has some admirable observations upon the way in which the notion of space is acquired although there is a sad want of close thinking displayed in the delightful remark that the whole universe can be only a point for an oyster it would not even be a point for a point is a very complicated conception involving the consciousness of space for cultivating the sense of form practical geometry a matter of strings and cut paper is recommended reason geometry is of course forbidden for training the sense of hearing there are various means chief among which is music this being a favourite occupation with rousseau is allowed the use of civilised instruments taste with which smell is closely connected is to be cultivated by the use of simple natural food the supreme goodness which has made the pleasure of sensible beings the instrument of their preservation shows us by what pleases our palates what is suitable for our stomachs when nature is allowed her way there is no safer physician for a man than his own appetite in his primitive state i have no doubt that the foods which he found most pleasant were also the most wholesome gluttony being natural is excused in this way 
since the whole of childhood is or ought to be merely a succession of games and gleesome amusements i do not see why pure bodily exercises should not have a material and sensible prize on the same principle mental exercises ought to be rewarded with an abstract triangle a fair platonic idea or a pleasant aspect of transcendental being but of such exercises he does not approve singularly enough rousseau who professes to give directions for rearing children in a state of nature maintains that they should not be allowed to touch animal food which if not bad for health is bad for character it is certain that great meat-eaters are generally more cruel and fierce than other men the barbarity of the english is well known whereas the gaur are the gentlest of men all savages are cruel and this is not due to their character but to their food this is one of those delicious inconsistencies of which rousseau is full the truth is that for him savage and jean-jacques meant the same thing and of that thing he has a very good opinion he says elsewhere that savages known for their keen sensibility are still more so for their subtlety of mind but the gentle savage jean-jacques did not like meat and so that must be a perversion of savagery his assertion moreover that the savage having no prescribed task obeying no law but his own will is forced to reason at every action of his life only shows that he knew nothing of real savage life in pursuance of the second maxim children are to receive no instruction that would carry them beyond the range of their own actual sense experience or even to reason to the conditions of that experience every kind of instruction drawing upon the past or present experience of the race history geography grammar languages literature even la fontaine's fables science is to be excluded there is to be no learning by heart no declamation no examination no verbal expression of knowledge emile will not chatter he will act all efforts at cleverness and bright remarks all talkativeness must be frowned down books are to be tabooed by removing all the duties of children says rousseau i remove the instruments of their greatest misery namely books reading is curse of childhood footnote this is not true but rousseau read bad books End of footnote. and almost the only occupation that people can invent for it at twelve years of age emile will hardly know what a book is but i shall be told he must at least know how to read and reading is useful to him if we must demand nothing of children through obedience it follows that they can learn nothing of which they do not feel the actual present advantage in the form either of pleasure or of use otherwise what motive should prompt them to learn it the art of talking and listening to absent friends is an art that can be rendered sensible to human beings at any age but what miracle has this useful and pleasant art become a torment to children because we force them to apply themselves to it against their wills and put it to uses of which they understand nothing a child is never very eager to perfect the instrument with which he is tortured but make this instrument minister to his pleasures and he will soon apply himself to it in spite of you the present interest is the great motive and the only one that leads safely and far emile sometimes receives from his father mother relatives friends footnote note well emile is supposed to be an orphan and to live apart from society End of footnote. notes of invitation for a dinner a walk a boating party a public festival these notes are short clear neat and well written someone must be found to read them this someone is not found at the right moment or pays the child out for some disobliging conduct of the day before thus the opportunity the moment passes the note is at last read to him but it is too late oh if he had only been able to read himself others are received they are so short the subject of them is so interesting he would like to decipher them sometimes he finds help and sometimes a refusal he exerts himself and finally deciphers half of a note 
it is an invitation to go to-morrow to eat cream he does not know where or with whom how he struggles to read the rest shall i speak now of writing no i am ashamed to amuse myself with such nonsense in a treatise on education this is a typical specimen of rousseau's natural method which assuming that the child has only animal motives makes no effort to correct or replace them what notion of man and society would be suggested to a child if the people about him in order to be even with him poor little animal should refuse to read a note for him it is safe to say that it would be both hateful and false in fact rousseau's own diseased notion for rousseau hated the human inhumanity he hated science true love and energy of will being incapable of all three footnote he says i teach my pupil a very long and very painful art the art of being ignorant for the science of any one who does not flatter himself that he knows more than he really does know reduces itself to very small bulk the martyrdom of study is described in these affecting terms the clock strikes what a change in an instant his eye loses its lustre his gaiety vanishes good-bye to joy good-bye to gleesome games a severe ill-tempered man takes him by the hand and gravely says to him let us go sir and leads him away in the room which they enter i catch a glimpse of books books what sad furniture for his age the poor child submits to being dragged along turns a regretful eye upon everything about him holds his peace and goes off his eyes swollen with tears which he dare not shed and his heart big with sighs which he dare not give vent to it is needless to comment on such stuff End of footnote. hence he deprecated all culture of intellect affection and will of all that makes man life and the world human of the third maxim it is sufficient to say that according to rousseau children are to be so managed that what is in reality the result of the most careful forethought shall seem natural and necessary in other words that they shall from first to last be victims of a pious fraud by means of this the child is to be dehumanized to be made a victim and a dupe how small must his intelligence and his observation be to make such dupery possible End of chapter 6